Cool. Well, a few weeks ago, I was reading, uh, probably a couple of months ago now, actually, I was reading a parable in Luke 17, verse 6 to 10. And um, yeah, I, I was just reading it, and I was thinking maybe I would preach on it at one stage. Um, Luke 17, 6 to 10, he said, And the Lord said, If you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. But which of you, having a slave, plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come immediately and sit down and eat? But will he not say to him, Prepare something for me to eat? And properly clothe yourself and serve me until I have chosen, sorry, till I've eaten and drunk. And afterwards you will eat and drink. He does not thank the slave because he did the things which are commanded, does he? So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded you, say, we are unworthy slaves. We have, only, we have done only that which we ought to have done, have done. He does not thank the slave because he did what he was commanded. And Jesus said, when, when you do all you are commanded, say we are unworthy slaves. We have done that which we ought to. Only that which we ought to. And in the amplified, it says, amplified, sorry, we are unworthy slaves, servants, possessing no merit, for we have not gone beyond our obligation. We have merely done what was our duty to do. I was going to preach it. You lot, serve and don't expect any thanks from me. And there's a sense, isn't there, that Christianity is about serving. Christianity 101 is about being servants. That's what Jesus came as. He came, his nature was a servant. You know, not, he just didn't kind of take it on himself. His whole nature was that of a servant. He came to serve. Um, and that's what we're called to do as well. We're called to serve with all the honor going to Jesus, to glorify him. As I say, I nearly preached it. I was going to preach it like that, um, but then I preached something different, I think. Then a little while later, in the same gospel, same speaker, I saw a different parable, and this was a parable about servants who the master did serve and said to them, come and sit at the table and let me serve you. And so all of a sudden, I've got two parables, one saying, don't expect to be thanked, or served, you come and serve me. And the other one saying that the master came and served. So I was thinking, oh, got to. And actually, it comes before this one. And I, I don't mean to think I was reading the gospel backwards. I think it was a different point. So that was in, this is in Luke 13. If I, I can, I'll read that one to you as well. And if, if, if one had a text, if I had a text, these two verses would be my text. Okay, so just to make me look a little bit more official or... You know, that I know what I'm doing. Um, this is my text. Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps alight. And be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast, so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. I'll read that again. Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps alight. And be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast, so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves, whom the master shall find on the alert when he comes. 
Truly, I say to you that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Blessed are those slaves. I wonder what they were doing that made them blessed. That these other ones weren't doing, they were just serving. And we'll perhaps think about that in a minute. Whether he comes in the second watch or even the third and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. And be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. You too be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. And Peter said, Lord, are you addressing this parable to us or to everybody else? And uh, the Lord said, he didn't really answer his question. He said, who then is the faithful and sensible steward whom his master will put in charge of his servants to give them their rations at the proper time? Blessed is that slave. He's blessed again. You need to listen up to this parable because there's some, a lot of blessing going on to these slaves, isn't there? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. He put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that slave says in his heart, my master will be a long time in coming and begins to beat the slaves, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. And that slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accord with his will shall receive many lashes. That's whips, not, you know, ladies' things. Just clarify. But the one who did not know it and committed deeds worthy of a flogging, he'll be fine. No, he will receive a flogging, but not as much. So ignorance wasn't part of the deal. You know, he was supposed to know what was going on. And from everyone who has been given much shall be much required. And to whom they entrusted much of him, they will ask all the more. So, salutary words, isn't it? Blessing, if we're in a certain way, but many lashes, if we're in a different way. And we probably need to find out so that we can get the blessing and not the lashes. Yeah, does your mind work like that or you're not bothered what happens to you? I don't know, you might not be. The, um, the ESV, the um, English Standard Version, isn't it? for that parable, going back to 35, says, um, stay dressed for action. Stay dressed for action. And it talks about later on when it says the master shall find on the alert. It says, master shall find awake. And the Amplified says, the master who finds his slave awake, alert, and watching. Okay, that's going to come up quite a bit. So maybe we should learn it. Alert. No. Awake. Awake. Alert. And watching, okay? Awake, alert, and watching. We'll be blessed if the master finds us like that when he returns, okay? So we need to probably make note of that and think about that for our own lives. Because Jesus said, you don't know the hour when Jesus is coming back. It's going to be like a thief in the night. I just want to read some things to, um, uh, to confirm that. But let's just remember that Jesus is looking for us to be dressed in readiness with our lamps alight, awake, alert, and watching. 
Okay, so bear that in mind as we go, because I might keep clicking back to that. But let me look in 2 Peter 3. And I don't know about you when, if you do talk, preaching and stuff, I, I never quite know when to start, really, because, you, you know, you, you get a little passage and you look before it, and think, oh, and that bit's so good, and then you look before it, and that bit's so good, and all of a sudden you've got a whole chunk that you're going to read, and you think, well, that's probably a little bit too much. But 2 Peter 3, um, 10. Well, I'm going to start in, I am going to start in um, 3. It says, Know this first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from beginning of creation. So where is it? 2,000 years you've been saying that he's coming, but where is it? Everything carries on as it was before. Maybe it gets a bit worse or a bit better, a bit worse, a bit better. You have a revival, bless, and all that kind of thing. And then if we look on a little bit, verse 8. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count, slow, some count slowness, sorry, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. That's a good thing to, look, to, 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 to tuck away there. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but all. You know, should I talk to this one because I don't know if they're going to be predestined? Talk to them all, Akoni. Talk to them all because God wants all of them to be saved. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. And the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be? What sort of people ought you to be? In holy conduct and godliness. That's part of the answer, right? Rather than part of the question. That's what, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, an account of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found in him, sorry, by him, in peace, spotless and blameless. And regard the patience of our Lord to be salvation. So there's some ways there that we need to be living. And it says we can hasten the day of his coming. You know, not just wait, sit around, get your feet up, but hasten it by the way we live, by the way we encourage others to live. And then 1 Thessalonians 5. Um, everyone's nodding, yeah, that's classic thief in the night one. Sorry, I've got little things in my Bible and they still don't work. 5 verse 1, 2 Thessalonians. Now as to the times and the epochs, Brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night, yeah? It's going to come like a thief in the night. Has anyone been burgled? Been burgled at night? We, we, we were burgled, but not at night. So but it came like a thief in the day. But he's going to come like a thief. It's not very nice, is it? And you don't know, do you? You know, you, you know with hindsight, you might have done things, but... And it says, while they're saying peace and safety, 
Then destruction will come upon them, suddenly like birth pangs, upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. That's us. We're not in darkness. That the day should overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then, let us not sleep. Familiar? We need to stay awake. Let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert. In other words, and sober, or I think that means um, six. self-controlled. Sober or self-controlled. For those who sleep, do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we are over the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. That familiar as well, Jesus said, gird yourselves, be ready for action. So Paul said, put on these things. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are also doing. Excuse me, I need to get my drink. Better. And it's similar to the, to the parable that um, Olive used two weeks ago, if you were here, uh, when she was preaching about the virgins. You know, the ten virgins, remember them? Um, with their lamps. They all had lamps and oil, but only five had extra oil when they're waiting for the bridegroom to come back. And the others, when the bridegroom did come back, they didn't have any oil, said, please give us some of your oil. They said, no, we've not only got enough for ourselves. You need to go to the dealers and buy some. They went to the dealers to buy some. When they came back, the door was shut. The gate was shut. And the master said, I never knew you. Um, and at the end there, Jesus said, watch. Another word that we use in watch. Are you there, Rosie? Yeah, good. <laughs> watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So do you get the feel from those scriptures that we need to be ready? We need to be dressed with our lamps burning. We need to be awake, alert and watching for his coming. We don't know when it will be. We can get very complacent. It probably won't be this afternoon. Uh, why not? Well, it might be this afternoon, but it definitely won't be this week because we've got Pentecost 23. It won't spoil that. <laughs> won't he? He's going to spoil something when he comes back, isn't he? Someone's plans, well-laid plans. Let's hope they're plans for, for good. So there's a sense we need to be watching, waiting, looking awake, girded, for his coming. Um, and we get very complacent, don't we? Um, occasionally we get a little bit kind of worried. I remember when my life wasn't quite right, when I was a sort of a late teen, and I woke up in a thunderstorm and I thought the second coming had come and I'd missed it. I was scared and I got my life sorted over a period. You know, we get very complacent, but he is coming back, isn't he? And we need to be alert, watching, waiting. And encouraging each other, don't we? We don't, you know, when you've been a Christian a long time, you get very blasé. But let's not be blasé. Let's be those who are awake, who are watching, alert. So, 
So that, that's part of what I want to say. That's the first bit. But I want to say that in our lives, not only are we looking for the second coming, which will come at the right time, and we may be part of it, we may not. We, and, and we know all about that. <clears throat> I want to apply it just to our lives, that we need to be awake, alert, and watching. We need to be dressed. We need to be ready for action. And I want to look in the Bible, which is a good place to look, about someone who was alert, awake, watching, ready, and all those things, and just look at some of the consequences of how they lived their lives. And it's, it's in Acts 4. Um, you can have, uh, Acts 3, sorry, I beg your pardon. Acts 3 and Acts 4. And I would ask you to read this when you get home because I'm just going to skim it because I can't read the whole two chapters, otherwise we'll be here for, forever. But basically, Peter and John are going to the temple at the ninth hour, which is three o'clock. Um, it's a normal day. You know, they've had Pentecost and things are exciting. But it's a normal day. They're off to the meeting, um, just like we did this morning. Came along, got in their cars, whatever they did. Um, and as they were going, there's a man who's lame from birth. Um, either he was being carried or he was at the gate, I'm not sure. But he wanted something from them. He asked them for arms. And they sorted his legs. Uh, old joke, really, isn't it? <laughs> but he asked them for some money. Sorry, Bob said the humor wasn't very high today. But I have, I have to lower my humor because I'm talking to you guys. <laughs> Can't be as erudite as I normally am. But there we go. Sorry, apologies. So Peter said, and we know the story, but I'm going to recap it. Peter said, look at us. I haven't got any money. But what I have got, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. And he grasped his hand and he, he didn't pull him up, but it's because the guy, he, as he started to pull him up, the guy's you know, ankles and, and feet strengthened, and he leaped up. And he was immediately strengthened. And he went leaping and jumping and praising God. Um, and we perhaps know the song, I can't remember it, or I'd sing it to you, which is probably a blessing with my voice at the moment. And everybody's amazed. And so what, Peter and John go into the temple, they're ready awake, they're full of the Spirit, they're alert, they're watching, instead of saying, oh, sorry, mate, I haven't got any change, which is what we say to the people in the street, isn't it? You got any money, mate? You got any change, mate? Ah, sorry, mate, I haven't got any money today. He didn't say that. I said, no, we haven't got any money, but what we have got, we give you. And they leaped him up, and a man was healed, and he went leaping and jumping. And interestingly, what struck me when I just read it again this morning was that for so long, he'd been sitting outside the temple. Now, because of this miracle, he's able to go into the temple. And that's what we want for people's lives. When we touch them, when they touch us, that instead of being outside the temple, they can come into the temple. The presence of God with us, yeah. But because of this miracle, lots of people running around. They know the guy. They've seen him there. They've avoided his gaze so many times because they don't want to give him any money. And all of a sudden, there's a big crowd. So Peter who was awake, alert, watching, full of the Spirit, ready, started to preach them. Men of Israel, why do you look at us as if by our own merit we were able to make this man well? It's in the name of Jesus Christ. Of Nazareth, then he preaches and 
a bit of a melee ensues because as he's preached towards the end of his preaching and he brings it to a close, the temple authorities are coming in to arrest him. But it says that many people were saved because of the preaching. And the number of men in the church rose to 5,000. We know it probably been about 2,000 on the day of death. So, you know, there's a significant input into the kingdom because of the fact when they were going to the temple, they were alert, they were watching, they were awake, they're full of the Spirit. They did what Jesus showed them. There was a miracle. The miracle led on to uh, many people come together. He preached to them. People got saved. The authorities grabbed them, put them in prison. And you might think to yourself, oops, that's gone a little bit wrong now, isn't it? They're in prison. But they're in prison overnight. And often... What seems a, a setback to us as humans is, is just God pausing or getting ready for the next thing. Because then what happens is uh, the, they've been put in prison, locked up overnight. The next day, the rulers and the authorities, you know, names them Caiaphas and, uh, and the, the high priestly family, and that, who should know better, um, get them together and they start to uh, question them. In what name have you done this? What have you, what have you done? What have you been doing? And Peter, alert, awake, and full of the Spirit, yeah, he's able to preach to them. So he preaches to the, to the authorities, the, the high priestly people, the Sadducees, the scribes, whoever's there. And it says, as they observed his, his confidence, and they realized, you know, these guys are unschooled, they're untrained, they're fishermen, basically. You know, they're not used to public speaking. They're not used to all this. They realize these men have been with Jesus. And it says that um, the fact that the man that had been healed was there as well, they, they had no reply. They couldn't say anything. They were basically confounded. They heard the word. They were confounded. Um, and so they said, right, okay, what we'll do, let's put them out. We'll have a little chat. They had a little chat. What we're going to do, we're going to tell them no more preaching in this name anymore. So they bring them back in. Because um, what they'd said when they were saying no more preaching, they've said, look, a noteworthy miracle has taken place. We can't deny this miracle. What are they on? What are they on, these religious people? Why are they trying to fight against God doing a miracle in their midst? Isn't that just like religion in our lives, if we're not careful? It fights against the, the new. It fights against the, the move of the Spirit. It fights against miracles. We need to watch that it doesn't get into us, but that's what religion does. It fights against God coming in, breaking in, healing a man who's been, you know, been, been uh, sick since, um, whatever, crippled since, since birth. It, it, it's, just, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. Let's not be like this. But this is what these guys were like. They had no reply. Uh, they said, there's a noteworthy miracle taking place. Let's tell them, no more speaking his name because we don't want this thing to spread. Hello? Isn't that what we're supposed to be about as Christians? Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing as the people of God? Spreading the good news about Jesus, but no religion doesn't like it. Anyway, they brought Peter and John in and they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John, or Peter, sorry, says, uh, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to obey you or to obey God, you decide. But as for us, we're not going to stop speaking about the things we've seen or heard. Amen. And, and that's really all it is about, isn't it? It's speaking about the things we've seen and the things we've heard. In our witness to people, we don't have to speak about things we don't know about. Just leave them alone. So I don't know about that. I'll bring you to someone clever like Mark. 
But, I, but what I know is this. I was blind, but now I see. What I know is this. I was laden down with sin, but now I'm free. What I know is, and all the rest of it speak about what we've seen and heard. So then they threatened them further. And then they let them go, finding no basis on which they might punish them because of the people. And then look at this. Because the people, excuse me, were all glorifying God for what had happened. The people all glorifying God for what had happened. And Peter and John, just to finish the story, Peter and John go back to their companions and they tell them what's happened and they pray, which is always good, isn't it, June? They, they prayed, it's always good, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Too busy writing, eh? <laughs> Yeah, so then they prayed, and at the end of the prayer, verse 29 says, And now, Lord, take note of their threats, and grant that thy bondservants may speak your word with all confidence, while you do extend your hand to heal, and signs and wonders take place in the name of thy holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak the word of God with boldness. I mean, began is in italics in my Bible, which means began probably isn't there. Because I, when I read it, I thought, well, you know, they'd already been doing that really, hadn't they? But so I, I, they've obviously put the, the translators have put the began in. So they, they, they put that in. So a simple trip to the prayer meeting. Yeah. Well, you laugh, but that's, that's, it was a prayer meeting. It was, they went to the temple to pray. You know, it wasn't special. We all go to prayer meetings. So must have gone to one this, you know, this coming week because they were dressed for action. Sorry, I'm going to keep repeating these things. I'm sorry. So, you know, I'm a simple preacher. You know, they talk about preachers having, uh, there's a style of preacher where you've got three nails and you hammer them home, one, two, three. I usually have one big fat nail, which I hit with a sledgehammer until it's gone embedded in your forehead. Okay, so I hope that's okay. So you can have it removed surgically later if you want. So... <clears throat> because Peter and John were dressed for action, they were full of the Spirit, awake and alert and watching, and they were obedient to what they saw. They were obedient to what they saw. Well, if they had not done that first miracle, if they had not reached out to that guy, just walked past him and said, sorry, mate, I've got no change. Maybe I'll have some tomorrow. None of that, none of that acts in full would have, would have happened. So it's not that they've taken out your Bible. It would just, Acts would have been shorter by two chapters, wouldn't it? But can you see the consequences? About seven or eight happenings for one simple act of obedience. One to, I know they still had to keep being obedient, keep, but it's almost like one thing led to another. When people say one thing led to another, it's usually a negative thing, isn't it? Oh, I was there, I had a few drinks, and then one thing led to another. But this is a positive thing, isn't it? We, 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 we obeyed God, he did a miracle, and one thing led to another. Well, all of a sudden, there's many people in the church, the authorities are confounded, everybody's glorifying God, and things have really moved on. Wouldn't you like to have a life that's like that? Wouldn't you like to be, because we think, well, probably for us, it's not going to be quite so dramatic. You know, maybe, maybe I might be able to influence one person, they might influence another, and that'll be it. But that's not what the Bible says, is it? You know, I know Mark on his little video he's been doing was talking about that, that guy who, who was evangelist and he talked to lots of people and some people got saved, but he, he's not very well known. But the man that he got saved was Billy Graham. 
and all the thousands and thousands and thousands. If he hadn't been obedient to talk to Billy Graham, you know, what would the world be like now? So we can't, what if, can we? You know, that's the thing from Narnia, isn't it? You know, we don't know. God will not tell us what would have been. But, you know, if we don't do the things that God asked us to and see the miracles now, the, the consequences down the line, you know, I'll put it another way around. If we do the things that God wants us to do now and something happens here, the consequences down the, down the line could be fantastic, can't they? Because of his grace. Okay. Back to the parable. Excuse my voice, it's struggling a bit. So New King James Version. And that parable I'm talking about says, let your waist be girded. And as I've read some of those things, you just talk about being girded. Or in the ESV, be dressed for action. <clears throat> and in one of the commentaries it says, whatever everyone else is doing, you must be ready. Whatever everybody else is doing in faith life, you must be ready. Whether anybody else is ready, you must be ready. Okay, and girding of the loins is a step towards preparedness. Okay, it stops you being hindered. Um, we've been doing some, uh, I forget what you call them, risk analysis. You know, if you've done risk analysis for health and safety, you have to look out for trip hazards. Yeah, that's what, that's what girding ourselves for action is about. It's looking for trip hazards that we can get out of our way, isn't it? It's like in those days, they used to wear quite a flowing robe, didn't they? And so they had a belt. And if they were going to do something of running or whatever they were going to do, they'd get their robe and tuck it into their, tuck it into their belt um, so that they could do some action. So they wouldn't trip over their long flowing robes. And that's the kind of thing we're talking about here, isn't it? And it's no, I don't think it's any coincidence that the belt of truth is, is it, I'm getting ahead of myself now, but it took that bit away, the belt of truth. But I'm just wondering for, and listen, I'm preaching this to me as much as anybody else. So I need to hear this message and, and, and learn from it. So please don't feel that I'm, I'm, I'm nagging, I'm not, but... What are the things that hinder you, that trip you up, that prevent you being ready? It's time to allow God, to ask God to deal with our hindrances, the things that trip us. Um, and I sort of put some things down here. They might, they might not be the same for you, but uh, wrong thinking. Wrong thinking. That can be a real hindrance. Believing lies about ourselves, believing lies about God, God's power in us, his ability in us. It's a real hindrance if we're going around thinking, well, I, I'll never be much. God could never use me. I've blown my, blown my life. God doesn't. You know, if you're going around thinking like that, that's a real hindrance. And it's not the truth. It's a lie. It's lies. And I know they're very difficult to deal with, and you have to be very determined to deal with lies. But we have to deal with them if we want to tax action. And this is the bit where I was saying about the belt of truth. We need to get the belt of truth on in our heads. Not believing lies, but believing the truth. So wrong thinking is a, is a real hindrance that I believe we can do things about. Um, but it may take time. Unbelief. Unbelief is a real hindrance. Unbelief in God's ability. God's ability in me. 
God's, and, and often it's, we can believe that God can do it. I believe that God can do anything. Um, okay, Roger, will you pray that God will heal my back? Uh, and, you know, will he do it through me? We need to start nailing that one, don't we? That he can show his mighty power through me. There's nothing special about you that means God can't use you. If you can unravel those negatives. There's nothing special about any of us that means God can't use us. The special thing about each one of us is that God can use us and wants to use us and wants to move through us. Yeah? So we need to start getting this little or big or whatever it is brain of ours thinking the right way. Other things that hinder, sins, that so easily hinder. In Hebrews, it talks about sins, particularly uh, constant, repeated sin. I know we all can slip, but sometimes there's things that we continually get caught up in. We need to ask God to help us deal with those things. The cares of life. Cares of life. Anxieties, fears, worries, cares. I mean, in the... In the um, parable of the sower, it's what chokes the word, isn't it? If we're focusing on all those things, Jesus said, don't be anxious about anything, but by prayer and supplication. That's in Philippians, isn't it? But, um, you know, that he said, doesn't God look after the birds? How beautiful they're dressed, or how, how well they're fed, sorry. And the flowers, how beautiful they're dressed. So, you know, these things that Jesus said, we are meant to believe them. They're not just nice stories or nice things that he did. You know, why would he stay? Why would he come for three years and say all kinds of rubbish? Why would he say stuff he doesn't want us to believe? He wouldn't. He's come and he's, he's on a mission. He's saying, listen, look at the birds. They get fed. How much more important than you? You'll get fed. Trust your heavenly father. Look at the flowers, how beautiful they are. God wants you to be clothed in beauty. You can trust him. Yeah, it seems so simple, isn't it? Maybe in our Western mind, uh, our twentieth-century mind, we think it's too simple. We know it doesn't really work, but actually, if we believe these things, they do work. Yeah, we don't have to be caught up on all these things, and they are hindrances. So, cares of life, distractions, also hindrances. So, family, wealth, making a living, TV, internet. Facebook hobbies, all those kind of things aren't necessarily bad things, but if they distract us, if they hinder us, if, you know, a lot of the stuff we get involved in, it sends us to sleep. No, I don't mean in your bed. I mean spiritually. You become spiritually asleep, don't you? And what have we heard? We need to be awake, alert, and watchful. These things that we get involved in do the opposite to us, and we need to be very careful, don't we? And I find you can cut one of them out of your life, but it's very easy to find something else to do the same thing. So we have to be quite ruthless with ourselves, don't we? And fears. Did I say fears? Fears is, I've said that twice. I did it in the anxieties, but fears. Fear is another hindrance that we need to see overcome. And these things can be overcome. It might take a while, but they can be overcome. He has the, he has the antidote, the answer in his word. And we need to ask the Holy Spirit to show us how to get free. Yeah, it's time to be free. I didn't tell Sarah to choose that song. She just chose it. That's a good old song we haven't sung for a long time. It, um, I'm free. 
It's time to be free of these things. And it might take some effort on our behalf of taking his word and applying it to our lives. Um, a di disciplined application of his word. Consistent. I've been really helped by this verse in Titus. Titus 2, 11 and 14. Um, and this is in the ESV because it, it brings it out clearly. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Training, and then, or instructed disciplining, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope. There it is again, waiting for our blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. That really helped me because, you know, I don't know if you found yourself tripping up sometimes. You go, never, ever going to do that again. And then you trip up again. But the great thing is the grace of God is training us. You know, when you're being trained, it's, it's like being as a child is trained. You know, you don't tell a child once to do something and, and they do it. You have to consistently, consistently, consistently. Don't you keep repeating until they get it. And it's the same with our lives. It's the same with our lives there's a training. The grace of God has appeared and it's training us to be different. We won't get it right overnight, but we need to take part in the training process, don't we? It's no good saying, right, you train me, Lord. I'll get my feet up and watch the telly. And when you're finished, let me know and I'll, and I'll be pure, pure and holy. It's not like that. We have to be involved. Don't we have to take the word and we have to repeat it. We have to learn it. We have to speak it. We have to stop believing the lies. Um, don't we? That's what I found anyway. It doesn't happen automatically. Um, some things do, but on the whole, if we want to change, we have to do that. Apply his word regularly in our lives. Don't we, June? <laughs> so, yeah, sorry. I shouldn't keep referring to you when you're writing. <laughs> right. So. Hmm. Lamps burning bright. So the first one is being ready. I think that's what I was talking about there. Yeah, that's right. So the first one was uh, being girded, being ready, ready for action. Um, that's the first one. We need to, to deal with the things that hinder us, the trip hazards in our lives, do a health and safety, uh, you know, report. Uh, and when you do self, health and safety, you write down what the hazard is, then you write down how you're going to manage it, what you're going to do, and then... I think before then you have to, you write down, you have to say, is it life-threatening or all these kind of things and how likely is it to happen and then what you're going to do about it is what I'm trying to say. So, yeah, we need to watch the trip hazards in our lives and then we need to say what we're doing about it. The second thing was that be ready for action, be girded with your lamps burning bright. And for me, this speaks of being continually full of the Holy Spirit. This is something Olive talked about a couple of weeks ago. If you remember about the jars of oil, Something I talked about a few months ago about those vessels that were full of water, the water of life. It's only through his revelation, his power and anointing that we accomplish anything. So we need to gird ourselves. We need to be full of the Holy Spirit, letting him rule. I, I was reading Watchman Nee and a, a story about uh, 
he led someone to the Lord in a remote village. He'd been staying with them for a while, led them to the Lord, and he had to go back to, to the capital. And so he left these sort of baby Christians without much teaching, but they, he said that in China, in those days, they would rigorously uh, teach them so that they were able to cope on their own, if you like. So um, the, apparently in the wintertime, the, the, the guy would like to have a drink of wine with his meal, but he would often drink to excess, get drunk. Um, and so, oh, not good. But anyway, so Watchman had gone home. They're on their own, him and his wife. Get the wine out because it's cold. And he, he found he couldn't say the blessing over the meal. He just couldn't say it. He just couldn't find the words. And so they're thinking, well, what's going on here? And then he said to his wife, well, get the Bible out. See if there's anything in the Bible about this. So they look at the Bible, but obviously they um, haven't got a clue because, you know, they don't know where to find it. So, um, so that wasn't much help. So she said to him, well, just drink your wine and, and we'll talk to Watchman Nee when, when we see him next. But anyway, he just couldn't. He couldn't do it. Couldn't bring the blessing. Couldn't drink the wine. So in the end, he says, right, I'm not going not gonna to drink this wine. I'm just going to have my meal. And so he, when he eventually went to the capital and met Watchman Nee, he was telling him about it, and he said that the resident boss wouldn't allow him to drink the wine. The resident boss. Who's the resident boss? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in our lives. So not just we want to be full of the Spirit, but we need to recognize that he's the resident boss. When he says, go here, we go there. When he says, uh, pull the man up outside the temple and he'll be healed, we do it. So it's not just a nice la di da di da Spirit of the living God, full of pressure on me. It's saying, Holy Spirit, fill me as the resident boss, as the Lord, as God on the earth, who I will obey. And in doing so, we'll see things happen. Because if we don't, things won't really happen through us, will they? So it says, be like men who are watching for their master. Awake, alert, watching. And I've just said, Holy Spirit, help me to be alert. Awake and watching because, as I've said, it's so easy to become dull, complacent, not expecting anything to happen. Things will be as they will be. We know what happens in our meetings. We just come along, we sing some songs, and then we listen to the preacher and we go home. That's not what it's supposed to be like. We're supposed to be meeting with, well, we're not supposed to, we are meeting with the living God. You know, he wants to do stuff amongst us. He wants to do stuff in my life, your life. He wants to speak to us. Um, Wherever we are, when I'm going about my business, my, my life isn't just to be go to work, go home, have my tea, go to bed. What a boring life. And that's not what he wants for us. That's not what he wants for us. He wants to be, us to be alert and watching. And we need to fight to keep our expectation, our expectancy high. And we can't do it on our own. We need, we need one another to help us. We need to encourage one another while it's still today to say, how are you doing? What are you, you know, I remember, and I'm a bit of a wombat, so I don't mind. I sometimes do things. So I remember being in a meeting in the early days when I was in Cambridge, and the pastor said, um, who doesn't expect God to speak through them this morning? And so I was on the front row, I just put my hand up. Oh, who's not prepared to the prophecy? I put my hand up. And of course, everybody else put the hand up, did they not? Just me and my hand up, you know, because everyone else was lying through their teeth. You know, that they were ready, but they weren't ready. You never know more ready. So he came to me and I said, well, 
okay, next week I'll be ready. Okay. And during the week I had to pray and pray. And I got to the point where if I pray anymore, I'm going to get something. And then I'm going to have to go and give it. You know, there's a choice then, isn't there? But I did pray and I did get something. It wasn't much, but it was something. But I've realized if we ask God for things, if we ask God to move, he will. We also need to ask for the boldness to do it. But if I'm in a meeting and I remember to ask, he will usually give me something. And I'm no more special than you. I've just realized that that's how it works. Sometimes you're just standing there gormless and something drops in your head. But usually it's, you have to stir up the gift. It says stir up the gift within you. Eagerly, eagerly desire prophecy. Eagerly desire these things. Eagerly desire to be used in healing. Eagerly desire to be used in evangelism. Eagerly desire to bless you. Because otherwise we just get very complacent and very flat. So I believe we need to pray for opportunities every day and then watch for them. Lord, and they might, you know, that you might not get an opportunity, but pray for opportunities every day to talk to someone about Jesus, to witness for him. Because um, if you don't, you might get one, you might not. Earnestly desire it, but ask him for the boldness. Because I realize I'm a wimp. You know, the opportunity might come and then I think, well, oh, I can't say that. <laughs> but we, had, we need the boldness then, don't we? To say, but he's prepared to do it. I mean, he shook the whole building. I was going to say, for goodness sake. He shook the whole building, um, didn't he? Yeah. And when he gave them boldness, and they spoke the word with, with boldness, we're missing a trick or two in our conventional Christianity, aren't we? That there's more, much more, and we need to push in and, and not put up with the status quo and what always happens. But, but let's be those who are alert. Because if you go back to the parable, those are the ones that Jesus said, wow. Come and sit down. Let me serve you. You were awake. You were ready. You were watching for your master. Because it struck me that actually it's all watching for a master. As I'm round about, I'm watching for an opportunity to bring my master into this conversation. I'm watching for an opportunity to open the door for my master to come in and heal this person. Yeah? So we can be just like those servants in that parable. And I've written down there, it's the Holy Spirit who does the hard work. I know, I know obedience can seem hard, um, but I, I, I think from those, I think as you obey, it gets easier, doesn't it? Is that right, Connie? Yeah, as you, as you step out, it gets easy, doesn't it? The first time's always the hard, it's like jumping into the, the, uh, the swimming pool that's freezing water, you know, and, and everyone else is in there going, whoa, it's fantastic in here, just jump in, and then you jump in, it's freezing, and it's fine. You know, and um, yeah, it's just that initial kind of leap, where you have to gird up your loins and just, just do it, don't you? Cool. Okay. In conclusion, we are all called to serve without expecting any thanks, any reward. That's our job as Christians. As Jesus was the same, wasn't he? He came. So we're serving and we're looking for him to get the glory. That's our attitude that he wants us to have, preferring one another. And he's looking for us to be dressed in readiness, i.e. to be girded, to have dealt with those things in our lives. 
removing the trip hazards, to have our lamps burning, i.e. full of the Holy Spirit every day. Holy Spirit, fill me up. Move through me. Shine in my life. May it not be me, may it be you. And awake, alert, and watchful for him. Both as regards his coming, because he, he could come this afternoon, but also in terms of things happening in our lives. So let us gird up our loins. Let us gird up our loins. Let us be those who deal with these things in our lives, that don't let things linger. Let us be those with lamps alight, shining for him. You know, it's him, isn't it? The vessel needs to be clean and pure and holy, but actually the power is his. The glory is his. The, the working is his. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same as was in the disciples. He's the same that was in Jesus. He's the same that's in us, in each one of us. No one's got a, a, a special Holy Spirit. We've all got the special Holy Spirit, yeah? Yeah, that's right. Um, and let's be awake and alert, watching for him, for opportunities to see him move, to see chain reactions happen. You know, people healed, people saved, religious people confounded. The whole community glorifying God, just like Peter and John when they were going to the temple. Can we be those people? Will we be those people? Are you prepared to start? Are you prepared to start? Maybe you've been doing it already. Apologies if you have. But are you prepared to take those first steps to gird up your loins, to be full of the Spirit, to be alert and watching? If you can respond to Well, let's all respond. Let's all respond, and I'll pray for you. I'll just let you write your sentences. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you were delighted in those servants who were alert, who were dressed for service, who had the lamps burning and were watching for you, your return. I ask you that you'd help us to be those people. Lord, that you'd provoke us out of our soporificness. The approach is about out of the things, convicted of the things that are causing us to be distracted and sleepy. Lord, help us to be those servants who you are able to say, come, sit at my table. Come, let me serve you. Holy Spirit, I pray, move on our lives. Help us to be those people. In Jesus' name.